can I just add, actually, thank you, Linda. Um, Linda mentioned yesterday and all about strong women. I want to say a huge thank you to every one of the women that volunteered. There was heaps of them that just put heaps of effort in. And also for all the women that came. Because the thing about strong women, they're not on their own. They need each other. And that's a massive truth that sometimes in our society we think we need to be strong on our, on our own. And we find it hard to open up and I just want to thank this bunch of women here because we support each other and we love each other and if you're finding you feeling a bit isolated please connect with another woman here we're not all perfect just Linda and I but (laughs) but we try to love each other hey oh and Larissa I think she's perfect she's married to Damien so she has to be Well, um, you have to listen to me because Monday, I know this is hard to believe, but Ben was at home and he's going, oh, I don't feel, oh, it's such a burden to preach. I'm feeling tired. Oh, I'm just, it just, oh, I've got to get a message. (laughs) And so it happens that that morning I had been singing a, oh, (laughs) yeah. The mor- that morning, I had been um, I, I, I had been singing a song in the shower. I don't often, but I did. And as I was singing it, it just really spoke to me, and I felt something. I thought, "Oh, it's awesome!" And then when he said that, I'm like, "Oh, well, I'll preach," expecting him to go. Don't worry about it, because he he doesn't like to give me the mic up here. But then later on that day, or I think the next day, he said, "Do you mind?" And so. <laughs> And so here I am. So I certainly hope what I feel encourages you. That's my aim. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that we're all together. We're just one big family. God, none of us have got it all together. And, and even me with the mic, God, I don't have any special revelation that everyone else cannot get from you, God, because you speak to each of us. I just pray this morning you'd use my words and my thoughts and just give revelation to each person here, I pray in Jesus' name. Now the, now the, the um, song I was singing is Because He Lives. Because He Lives, uh, the, the, um, The first verse is God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my saviour lived. And Linda talked about that in communion, about how he came and he died for us. Then the chorus, because he lives I can face tomorrow. Because he lives all fear is gone. Because I know I know, oh, 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 he holds the future. My life is worth the living just because he lives. Those words are so powerful. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Ooh, that's a big statement. You know, um, uh, Jesus' birth, life, death and resurrection are, are central to the gospel. His human journey wiped away the penalty for sin. This is probably not revelation to anyone here. And it was our, our uh, sin that he dealt with on the 
on the cross. He took away, took away the gulf between our sinful state and God's perfect state of sinlessness. God is without sin. We unfortunately are not. Jesus bridged the unbridgeable gap between our unholiness and God's holiness. And that's a whole sermon in itself. But if you know me at all, you know that I tend to ask this question a lot. Why? Why? Now the answer that I've always, the answer that resonates that's really, uh, it's just a simple thing that encapsulates everything is so that we can have a relationship with God. Does, I don't know if anyone who remembers that old picture imagery of there's this big gulf, a big cliff. I'm on this side and Jesus is on the, um, I mean God, the Father's on the other and Jesus dies on the cross in the middle, this cross, so that I can run across the gulf and have relationship with him. That is why. And, and his journey, um, uh, Jesus' human journey is pivotal to our relationship with God. Because of him, our relationship with God can be and has been restored, restored back to how it was at the beginning, Adam and Eve and all that. And that's great. But once again, I go, but why? Why is God having a relationship? Why is it so pivotal for our relationship with God to be restored? Is it so that we don't go to hell when we die? Is that, is that the purpose? Is it so God can give us what we want here on earth? Is it so we don't have to deal with shame and guilt all the time? Well, there is truth in all those statements probably. Why is our relationship with God so important? Why did Jesus have to come and die so that we could have a relationship with God? And I want to put to you that the reason is because the reason our relationship with God is so important is because without God, we cannot live. God created us to need Him. We cannot live without Him, truly live in the fullness of what living really is. In fact, here on earth, we, I believe, will only ever have a taste of what that is truly life like. We live in the almost tangible hope that one day we will know true life, real life, rich life. And I'm not talking about money or wealth. I'm talking about rich in spirit, rich in, in our soul. I'm going to add to that a smidge. And I'm going to say something that maybe when you first hear it, you might think, oh, that's a bit controversial or maybe not. But I want to suggest that God didn't just create us for the sole purpose of having relationship with him. He didn't just create us for the sole purpose of having relationship with him. The reason God restored relationship with us is so we can live. God created us to live. God wants us to live, to have life. He didn't create us just to be his little pets, totally dependent on him. His little project, his little Tamagotchis. Anyone remember Tamagotchis? His little, does anyone remember sea monkeys? Where you'd, you'd send away and get a packet in the post and you'd add it into some water and all of a sudden these 
He didn't create us like a virtual family sim where you where on the computer. I never actually had one, but you have a family, you, you create it and you have all this stuff happens. God didn't create us for that. He created us to have life, to experience all that life is. And then, as if to put a full stop on that, when we messed up, when we sinned, Jesus gave his life. God didn't just create us at the beginning to have a rich, full life. When we stuffed that up, Jesus came and gave his life so that we could have the life that we lost to live, to exist in the sense that all that life gives, to be. And I know I'm labouring that, but I want you to get what I'm talking about. Not just, in fact, I go on here. But I'm not talking about just existing. I'm not talking about just going through the motions every day. I'm not talking about just living for the weekends. Who does that? When I was struggling years and years ago, when I first started work, and that's a whole other topic, I used to live for morning tea and then I'd live for lunch and then I'd live <laughs> for home time. He, I'm not talking about just living for, for the, when your next a, a, annual leave is or when your next big event is and sometimes life feels like that. God didn't create us to just exist until eternity when everything's going to be all right. His commitment, his desire is for us to have life filled with meaning and purpose, with joy, with peace and love. You know, I'm not just saying these words. I mean it. I believe it. God wants everyone here to experience joy, to experience peace, to experience love with kindness and good things and relationships that matter. To have exhilaration and pleasure, to be challenged and to feel how good it is to grow and learn. To have life, real life and have it more abundantly. In John 10.10, 10, this incredible scripture explains it. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. When, he, when Jesus used the word life, he wasn't just talking about run-of-the-mill life. He's talking about abundance to the full till it overflows. And in the message it puts, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I could ask for a show of hands who's got that life right now. And maybe there are moments when you have it. But I know that, that it, is, it is something that I am growing in. There's more, I know. There's more fullness for me in my life in God. And I presume most of you would say the same. Why did Jesus come? Why did he live and die and rise again? Why did he beat death and defeat sin's penalty? So that we can live, live life in abundance, live life to the full till it overflows. More and better life than we could ever dream. I wonder, is life the goal? 
Is life itself the most precious of things? Is life as God intended the end point? God breathed life into mankind, his very breath. That very part of God that gives us life. Back when God created Adam, formed him from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into him and gave him life. Life, true life, eternal life. Life is to be lived. Now, sadly, we try to do it, I think, without him or for us here with less of him than maybe God intended. You know, I can't say this with enough emotion or with enough enough emphasis, but I believe we cannot have less of God. We cannot have less of him than what he wanted. Otherwise, we are starved of the very life that Jesus was born, lived, dies and rose again to give us. That was his purpose. He came as a baby and Christmas is coming. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. He was born. He lived for 33 years. Incredible story of his life. And then he died a gruesome, brutal death on a cross. And then he dealt with sin and death. And then he rose again. The reason he did that was to Give us, restore the life that God breathed into us back at the beginning. And if we don't live in all that he has for us, then we're denying what he died to give us. We live because of him. Our, Our life and God are forever entwined. We don't have life apart from him. We live because of him. We live through him. And we live in him. And whether you know this or not, or whether you agree or not, it doesn't change the fact that we are forever, for all eternity, inextricably intertwined with God, caught up with him. And one day, on this, on this side of, on the other side of death, we will get this more than we can understand now. We'll ex- experience it. God gives every person a choice but life apart from God is not the fullness of life that God intended and I guess I'm trying to hone I'm trying to bring that home he wants us to have a rich full life in relationship with him now I'm not talking about religion I'm not talking about church you can have a rich full life in God and not go to church cannot call yourself any particular religion. They are, I believe they are part of a healthy relationship with him is others joining part of a community. I'm not negating that. I mean, Ben and I pastor this church. We believe in the church. But that is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about having a rich, full life in God because you attend a church I'm ta- or because you call yourself a Christian. I'm have, talking about a relationship with God. And I've lost my place. There it is. And because we live life because of him, through him and in him, his way of approaching life, I believe, is the way to fullness of life. God knows how we need to do life. And you just have to read the Bible. That's obvious. There's a scripture which um, is incredible. Matthew 11. 
28 to 30. This is the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This scripture is incredible and it's what we all need. I tell you what, you read that last line, you'll learn to live freely and lightly in, in this society, this day and age. That is what we all crave. We all battle pressures, anxiety, the amount of people that battle anxiety. It's, it's the pandemic of this generation. Depression, negativity. Yet this scripture talks about us learning to live freely and lightly. And I believe we can. You know, but that is only part of that scripture. The rest of it says, come to me get away with me, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it, learn from me, keep company with me. Another version, this is the... The burden, and I don't have to convince any of you of that. You all know it. We all suffer sadness, pain, um, suffering, heartache, grief, the daily grind, having to work for the things we need, hard work. And God does not promise to do away with any of that, unfortunately. If I was God, I would. <laughs> Thank goodness I'm not God. He actually doesn't promise to remove the burden of living on this planet. But this scripture tells us that God offers to exchange the way we carry that burden for his way of carrying it. He offers his way, his yoke, which is light. His yoke is easy to bear, different from the yoke this world gives us. 
Life's burden has affected each of us deeply and consequently the way we carry this burden is deeply ingrained in each of us. We've learnt it from the moment we were born. You know, this is probably a bit negative, (laughs) but every now and then when a new baby is born, do you ever sort of go, like it's beautiful, incredible, and then you go, oh. Like I know with my kids, and they're not here, so they don't have to hear this. You just love them so much, but every now and then when I'm struggling or when I'm feeling overwhelmed or like I haven't like I'm not strong I think oh they have to go through stuff they have to suffer they have to deal with heartache and pain life can be pretty cruel pretty tough and I don't want to be negative but that's the truth of it you know even the rich people have heartache and pain the problem is right from the moment you are born, you start to learn how to deal with the pain. Even when, you know, you cry for your hungry, and where's Dan and Tanya? They would know that. I'm hungry, and they cry. You know, the way a mother interacts with a child right when they're born affects them. They grow up having that, the way their uh, cries for when they're in need the way they cry for help the way that is dealt with by the parents affects that child and then it's uh, life experiences build on that so that you end up when you're as old as me with an ingrained way of dealing with life and the toughness of it we have all got that in Matthew 18 I haven't got this scripture but it, it talks about the parable of the sower and for me There's a bit in there which it describes the worries of life, the cares of this world. And to be honest, they're human. So you cannot not have cares or not have worries, but how we deal with that. And in this parable, it talks about it affects the the seed. um, I think it uses the word chokes. It, It becomes more than what the plant can bear. And sometimes for us... The burden of life is like that. You know, this is where we have to choose. We have a choice. Unfortunately, there is a price to be paid for this incredible abundant life that I talked about earlier, that God promises every single person. There is a cost. And I'd be lying if I stood up here and said, come to Jesus, it's all sunshine, rainbows and unicorns. Fairy floss and popcorn. It can be incredible, it can be abundant, but there is a cost. And it's clearly shown in the Bible and the cost is taking off your yoke and putting on Christ. Taking off your way of doing life and putting on Christ's way. It all sounds easy, <laughs> but it's not. This is where taking on Jesus' way is not, it's not simple. It can be, and my experience is, never-ending moments of choice where we can choose. For me, this is all summed up in the two words, letting go. Letting go of my yoke, putting on his yoke. Letting go of my way, choosing his way. Letting go of the things that I think matter, because that's what I'm talking about. And desiring the things that he says matter because 
They are different. I started letting go a few years ago. God began to speak to me about this a few years ago. And I'm going to just share an ex- uh, quickly a testimony of one of those areas. And it was when my marriage wasn't that great. I know it's hard to believe. I'm married to, you know, Ben. <laughs> and let, let's be honest, he is pretty awesome. <laughs> In fact, who said that? Love you. I reckon I was, like, you know when people get married, they're in the honeymoon period for what, a year, a few months? Emma and Tyson are still in that, oh, lovey-dovey stage. Well, I was in it for 21 years. It was like, oh, Ben. And then one, one day I woke up and uh, <laughs> Chris just laughs at me. We had a few challenges and, and back then I blamed Ben. But the Holy Spirit suggested to me that while, yes, Ben was a very difficult man to live with, there were a couple of things that may possibly be blocking the peace that I so desperately longed for. What? God, there's something wrong. I bet he's the one that's making my life hell. I am exaggerating slightly. But it, there was a lot of external stuff happening that broke me. And there was Ben as well. (laughs) And no marriage is perfect because, you know, your partner thinks differently than you, does things differently and will not change. (laughs) What is that? So while he was, you know, I was blaming him because I was dealing with my stuff. I was going to God. I was trying my hardest and I was. But the Holy Spirit suggested, yeah, maybe there's a couple of things that I might need to deal with. The problem is... You know, this is when you have your really honest times before God, when you're completely honest and you're not using religious language or Christianese, you're swearing at him. You've never done that, I'm sure. Um, The problem is Holy Spirit pointed out that these things that he thought I should deal with, the things I really, really, really cared about, and I felt legitimately entitled to care about them, They, they weren't bad. And they were things I'd always cared about my whole life that really, really mattered to me, that were my foundation of who I was as a person, why I was here on planet Earth. But thankfully, Holy Spirit was gentle and loving and persistent and I had to let them go. And here's the the interesting thing is those things didn't really have anything to do with Ben. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, could he put the toilet seat down instead of leaving it up? I'd I'd abandoned that hope years ago. I'm not talking about little things between us. These were things that had nothing to do with him. At least that's what I thought. And maybe it's a coincidence, but since painfully, and it was not easy, let me tell you, it took me a long time, letting them go, Ben's improved. He's not so difficult to live with. He's gotten better. Who would have thought? And since then, the Holy Spirit has kept putting his fingers on areas in my life that he wants me to let go of. And each time, thank you, Jesus, the battle is just a little bit less. The desire for God a little bit more. But... 
And I have got a long way to go. I struggle just like each of us, but I am experiencing God's peace. The peace that, that I'm able to access in God that I never could before. It's not just a given, and I have to go to him often to find that peace, but he gives me peace that is, is almost becoming a complete foundation. I can lean on. I'm, this last year, I've been noticing that I'm leaning on that, like actually leaning on his peace and his love more than I ever have before. I'm beginning to discover that I've not really lived life to its fullness because I've been wearing a yoke that God never intended me to wear. And I have had to let go of some pretty important stuff. And I'm not exaggerating saying that, that it was the bedrock of why I was here on planet Earth. I had to let go. And it was not easy. But God has replaced it. And once again, I'm not just saying this to make a good message. God has replaced it with stuff that is far more beautiful and incredible. And there's more to let go of, I'm sure. It's a bit like that scripture. It's a bit like in the Bible, it talks about the grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying. But the result is new life. In John 12, it's got this horrid scripture. Listen carefully, unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life, just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. What is Christ's way of doing life? The way, what is Christ's yoke? I've got three little thoughts that I want to quickly share. The first one is the way of love. Love cannot exist, I believe, in its fullness without God because God is love. God just doesn't love. God doesn't have love. God doesn't choose to love. He is love. It is him. He can't be anything other than love. And God's love is pure, selfless, enduring, faithful, generous, forgiving, unending and given freely to every human being. And I could spend the next half hour talking, using adjectives to describe God's love. And I believe the more we wear his yoke, the more we begin to love others like God loves us. The more we embody God's love, it becomes part of our DNA. What is Christ's yoke? The way of faith. Choosing to live by the eyes of our spirit, not just our literal physical eyes. Choosing to believe it when Holy Spirit says, actually, you need to deal with this. And you go, no, it's got nothing to do with this. Choosing to go, okay, maybe I'll trust you. You know, this incredible song, Because He Lives, it, talk, it talks about the fact that because he lives, we don't need to fear. It suggests we can literally say we can face the future without fear. And I, can't, I should have looked up when this song was written because it was probably, I don't know, in the 50s or the 60s or maybe in the 40s during the war. Maybe, who knows 
what the author was dealing with. And even today in our society, there's so many uncertainties. And it, it also, one of the verses talks about the joy of a newborn baby. And it, there's a line that says the, that you can have calm assurance from God to know this child can face uncertain days because he lives. To have that assurance in your heart. I don't always have it. Sometimes I think, why would anyone have kids? The world's, ah. But this song, and I believe the Bible says, we can face a future because he lives. Because he lives, I don't have to fear. Sometimes we're so bound by fear of what might happen that we don't live. We're just focused on anxiety and fear. Fear robs us of fullness of life. The only way we can sing these words with assurance is through faith. Jesus came to liberate us into true life the way God intended, not one bound by fear or anything else. Faith is a shield that protects us. Faith in God's love, that perfect love stops fear affecting us. Because perfect love removes fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. God's perfect love. Faith in God's love removes fear. What is Christ's yoke? The way of hope. Our hope is in Christ that he has made all things right. Our hope is an eternity where all this burden of life, the toughness, the pain, the sin is completely done away with. In Romans 8, 18 to 21, it says, Paul is speaking and he says, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. And I love that line. It's incredible. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. Joyful anticipation. The older I'm getting, the more my joyful anticipation, my hope for eternity is growing more and more. I can't wait for this life and the pain and the suffering I don't have a lot of pain and suffering. God is incredible. But you look around and there are people who just, it's, it's tough. But one day it will all be ended. And that is the hope that we have as Christians. It's not just a little hope that one day my prince will come, whatever the line of that song is. This is a solid hope that God one day will make all things right. You know, Christmas is approaching, the birth of Christ's journey here on earth, the beginning of our restoration back to God. No wonder the angels were singing when Jesus was born because this was the moment when everything was be, would begin to be set right, to restore life back to the way God intended. I just want to put up John 10, 10 again and leave you with this. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. I want this message this morning to be one of hope. I want you to go away from here and go, what? There's more? I can have more? I can work through the stuff that is just overwhelming and sad? The, gr the daily grind, the getting up every day and doing it again, 
Because God wants us to have more than that in our life. He wants us to live, to live life. God has given us life. Life where you just breathe and you're so glad to be alive, to live in the moment of life. And I want to ask, I don't know where you're at in this place and maybe just bow your heads. And I've asked Larissa to sing this song and just to take a moment to really allow the words to just enter your heart. And maybe God has been speaking to you this morning and challenging you and just, even if He's just rekindling that hope, rekindling your trust in His love, rekindling the fire of the flame of, of faith to choose again to believe God, to choose again to trust Holy Spirit's voice, to want more of Him, to realise that you need more of Him and that you've, you've put Him in a spot, but you haven't given Him every part of who you are. Because I guarantee you will not regret giving every part of who you are to God. There may be some tough choices, but I guarantee years later you will look back and be so thankful that you chose Him, His yoke, His way over your way. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder that the life we need is only found in you. That you came to give us life. To restore life to us. Not a life where we're trying to scrape by and trying to survive and trying to climb ladders and pursue fame and fortune or all those sorts of things or a a life of being in control, but a life of love, a life of faith, and a life of hope, in a hope in something much bigger than us, who loves us and has done everything required to give us life. We thank you for that today, God. We thank you for the reminder. We pray that you would help us live in your yoke this week. Live according to your rhythm of grace. That we would keep company with you, God. That we'd come under your yoke and your leading and your control. In Jesus' name, amen.